says to them, first, he gives the principle. He told them a parable to the effect or so that they ought always pray and not lose heart. So there's your answer to the question. How do we persist, persist to the end? Two things. You ought always pray and we ought always or we ought not lose heart. Two things, pray and persevere. He gives you the answer to the question, let us move on, right? No, he wants to tell the story so it settles in so that we understand the point is given up front so we're not mistaken, but he tells the story so we would be bold just like this widow. They, the disciples, ought. It literally is in there and it says ought or must. That word is used a couple other places, one being John 4, 4, where it says Jesus had to pass through Samaria because there was a woman there who needed to hear the gospel. And so he's saying we ought always pray and always is, is there. At all times and in all ways, we ought always do two things. Pray, talk to God and persevere. Walk with God even when the roads are winding and bumpy and it's kind of foggy and you can't see. The point is given up front. He, he's going to say, this is why I'm telling this parable. Luke doesn't leave us guessing. And here's the parable. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while, he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice. So she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, He will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And so in this parable, you're introduced to several characters. You're introduced to a judge. You're introduced to the widow. And then Jesus makes the connection to God and us. And so there's this judge who neither fears God nor he respects men. It's the opposite of Jesus. In Luke 2.52, it said he grew in stature and wisdom, and he grew in favor with both God and man. That this judge was in authority, but he was not under authority, and that's dangerous. And thus he is delays in giving this widow, this woman, this stranger, justice. Now we're introduced to the widow. She says, give me justice. So there had been an injustice done against her against my adversary. And so there's somebody who's against this woman and there's been an injustice done. And so she comes to this judge, but he refuses to help. For a while he refused. She would come. And if you've seen the modern parables, it's like this widow whose uh, house has been destroyed and she comes to this unrighteous judge and she comes every single day, day after day, and she just wears him out. At first, he would not do have anything to do with her. He just blows her off. The next day, she's here again? The next day, you're kidding me. She's coming back? 
And so he's refusing to give her what she deserves. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God, this is dangerous. He understands he does not fear God, nor he respects man, but he's going to get her, give her what she wants because he doesn't want her to beat him down anymore. Though I neither fear God, nor respect man yet because this widow keeps bothering me. The judge was worn down. He was bothered because this widow was persistent. He had gotten to a point where he's like, just give her what she wants because I'm tired. I'm real tired of her coming. And then Jesus makes an interesting statement. Hear what the unrighteous judge says. Listen to this again. Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. The ultimate judge and the unrighteous judge are compared here. It's an an a fortiori argument. It's from the lesser to the greater. Here's the unrighteous judge. Here's the ultimate judge. And really the only comparison is that they reward the widow for her persistence. Because Jesus is making the contrast. The unrighteous judge here doesn't fear God or respect man. And so God here does respect this woman. And the unrighteous judge here delays in giving justice. But we'll see that God comes speedily. The unrighteous judge here is bothered. He's bothered. He's worn down. He said, I've had enough. But God is not unjust. And God is is never bothered when his people come. And though it may seem like he delays in our timing, God never delays. His timing is perfect. He does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. He is just and he will do what is right. God is not unjust, unlike this judge. And God is never, ever bothered in the sense that he's up there and he's like, really? I'm just hearing Mel's prayers again, really? I mean, come on. Yeah, I'll just answer it so she can just, 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 just. that's not his. He hears it and he goes, oh, there she is crying out to me again. And Jesus further explains, will not God give justice to his elect? He loves his elect. They are not strangers like this woman was. These are the ones he's chosen before the foundation of the world. Will he not give them justice? And he hears their cries day and night. And then he says, Jesus, like he has said in past parables, I tell you, it's listen up. He who has ears, let him hear. He, God, will give justice to them speedily. Or as the NIV says, probably more accurate here in the idea of time, suddenly. It's as if it's suddenly answered. It's as if, For years, right, Joseph has been in prison and he's heard and he's given the interpretation of the dreams and Joseph has been in prison. And literally it says in Genesis 41, after two years, could you imagine Joseph? I gave this interpretation. All I asked is that he would remember me before the king and he's there. But in one afternoon, in the time it takes for him to shave, and put on some good clothes, it says he was brought before Pharaoh and he goes from the prisoner to the second in command. It comes suddenly, almost overnight. 
and he never delays in his timing. That's, we talked about that a little last week, but we're going to talk about it again. It's his timing, not our timing. That's where we get confused. Sometimes we think, oh, if I just do this, this, and this, God will answer. And you do this, this, and this, and there's no answer. And you do this, this, and this, and there's still no answer. But his timing is perfect. Second Peter verse, chapter 3, verse 8 and 9 tells us why God delays. Don't overlook this one fact, beloved, that the, with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Love this verse, 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, but I think he's slow. Yeah, because you're not thinking like God. You're thinking like Judd. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you. Why does God delay? Because he doesn't wish anyone to perish, but all would reach repentance. And so God is not slow, he's strategic. And then Jesus ends with this. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When Jesus comes to make all things right, will he find us faithful? That if Jesus were to come right now, are we ready? And will he find us faithful? Just this week, two famous people in the past week, from Saturday to Wednesday, two famous people died. Amy Winehouse died of a, probably of a drug overdose, was a popular, influential singer. They found her in her London apartment. Her life was plagued with a drug addiction. And she was young. She was, I think they started this news idea of, who was the guy from the doors? Jim Morrison. They all die right about 27. It's the 27 club. Why would this happen? And there's this big, and she's 27 and her life is taken. Was she ready? Was she ready to meet the king? And Wednesday, cute little old man, probably stood about this high, white hair named John Stott, 90 years old, 27 years old, 90 years old, never married, 90 years, and he will be remembered. You've read some of his books. We've read some of his books. Was he ready to meet the Lord? You bet. He was ready. He was faithful. He was a man of prayer. He was one who said, he often instructed pastors, he he instructed all the church, basic Christianity, the living church, a lot of his works. uh, We read some of those on Wednesday mornings. And he often told pastors, when you prepare your sermon, you take that manuscript and you pray over it. And if you have to cross something out, you cross it out. If you feel led by the spirit, cross it out, you cross it out. He was faithful as a single for 90 years. And the Lord was ready to take him last Wednesday. And he's now in the presence of Jesus. Rejoicing. Amazing. 27 years old, taken. Was she ready? Was Jim Morrison ready? I don't know. From all evidences of their life, 
Probably not. Could there have been in the dying moments that realization that they're a sinner in need of a savior and they bowed their knee to Jesus Christ? Maybe. But for this guy, we don't even there know for sure, but all indications, faithful to the end. Both very influential. Both now dead. One, surely ready to meet his Lord. The Son of God is coming back and he will take care of all that is wrong. How do we make it to the end? He told us. Up front, he says, I tell you this parable. Luke says, Jesus told this parable that they might always pray, ought always pray and not lose heart. Always pray. So what's the first thing in answering this question? It's easy. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. But I've got to eat. I know. But it doesn't mean that you're continually dear God and you're in conversation with him all day and not like eating or taking a drink. It's the attitude of prayer. Literally, prayer is faith in action. In general, anytime, anywhere, with anyone, about anything. Right? Anytime, anywhere, with anyone, about anything. Anytime. You mean like at an insurance seminar? Yes, you can pray there. For some, it's, it's exciting. For some, it's not. But you can pray right there, and you're in the middle of it, and you pray. In that long meeting, you can pray. Anywhere, anywhere, with anyone, yes. In my own heart, I used to go, hey, I'll pray for you, Mickey. But the Lord's moving in my heart now when he says, hey, let's, I got something you pray about. Let's do it now. Because in my own sinful ways, forgetful ways, I lose it. Yeah, I'll pray for you. You know the greatest way to pray these days? Well, I don't have, text them. We're getting ready to have a baby. God bless the doctors. May Joshua Taylor Hansen, six pounds, 14 ounces, 20 and a half inches long, come quickly. Keep Corey safe. Amen. Text. That's a great way to use technology. Email. Anytime, anywhere, I guess now through any mode of technological communication about anything. Anything. Because life is going to throw you everything. And so we can pray about anything. But specifically, the question would be, do we have a time of prayer? Richard Foster said, you will not pray all the time and everywhere until you pray some of the time somewhere. To develop that attitude, we need to devote some time to that. The scripture tells us in Romans 12, devote yourself to prayer. That word devote means set aside. So set aside some time to pray. It's the same word used of boats in Acts, that he got into the boat that was devoted to fishing, literally. So it was a fishing boat, but it was set aside for the purpose of fishing. Paul says in Romans 12, devote yourselves to prayer. That it should be a priority. It should be top of the list. Why? Why should prayer be the top of the list? 
Can I just tell you what Hebrews says? It's the author of Hebrews somewhere in there, right? We love that book because the author of Hebrews never really quotes from Genesis, but he said somewhere somebody said, somewhere it's in Hebrews, he says this. Therefore, chapter 10, verse 19, brothers, family members, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, because of Christ's death and subsequent resurrection, we can go into the holy of holies. The curtain has been torn. There's no longer any separation between us and God. By a new and living way, he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with hearts sprinkled clean from evil consciences and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast this confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised has fulfilled. And so it's talking about we can go into the Holy of Holies anytime, anywhere with anyone about anything. That's why it should be a priority. We get to talk to God, the creator of the universe in his sovereign plan through his son by the power of the Holy Spirit, raising him from the dead. We have access to God. That's, that's not just a statement. Okay, next point. In the, we have access to God, right? Like if I am going to a, a Vail Mountain School football game, and I try to walk up and get in. He's going to say, where's your money or your ticket? And I was like, I don't have it. But say I'm with uh, Adam DeBay and I'm walking in. Yeah, I'm going to the game tonight. I'm with him. Oh. <laughs> Would you like some popcorn and a soda? Right? Because I'm with, I'm with him. He allows me access. And with Jesus, we have access at any time, anywhere, with anyone about anything. It should be a priority. And we should have a place, a special place that we go. I know I've talked to some of you in here. You have your special chair and your ottoman. You have your special place. And it's a special time. It's a sacred time. Don't call this person. You can call this person at any time, but not during that time. Because they're doing business with God. And for some of us, We might need a plan. And I don't want to talk about all the plans in the world. I taught the young kids today just to use your hand, to praise God, to confess your sin, to intercede for others, to petition your own self, and to give thanks in all things. Sometimes we need a plan, but I want to emphasize today the Nike principle. You know the Nike principle? Just do it. Because we can get so wrapped up into adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, praise, repent, ask, yield, that little thing I taught them. Hopefully that's a guideline. And then they move on to that and just start talking. It's literally, and we can do this. This is real. Right? If you have to, just pull up a chair. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Lord, this is what I've got going on today. He's right there. By the, he says, I, I must go, but I send one, a comforter, an advocate, one to come, another helper. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is here. And I don't think he's sitting there going, 
Well, you did, you got you got confession and think I didn't hear any adoration in there. <laughs> oh, sorry, adoration. Yeah, I forgot. It's good to do that though, right? It's good to be balanced, but just pull up a chair. Have breakfast with Jesus. Or lunch, right? Anytime. Or dinner. Or for some of you, midnight snacks, right? With the Lord. And just do it. Do it free. Just tell him what's on your heart. Do it formed. Pray through certain scriptures. Do it alone. Do it with other believers. Do it when you're in total delight. Do it when your heart is distraught. Do it quickly like Nehemiah. Extemporaneous. Lord, I'm going in to see a king. Help me. Do it extended like Nehemiah 9 where he just does this chapter and a half long confession. Do it simply and do it scheduled. Just pray. Talk to God. I would say, myself included, there's not a person in this room who says, I'm dialed in on prayer. I, I've, I pray enough. I, I don't think so. Ten fingers pointing back at me, right? Oh, I'm dialed in. I nailed it. Just nail. I'm a, I'm a prayer machine. We can always pray. Talk to God, and then he gives you the second answer. Walk with God. He told them this parable that they ought always to pray and never lose heart. I just want to share with you one of the greatest chapters in the Bible about not losing heart. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4. Let's just be showered, showered with the scriptures. How do you not lose heart? Pray. And here, Paul, giving a defense for his own ministry, talking about what he's done, talking to the Corinthians who may have just been distraught. Look at verse 1. Therefore, having this ministry, recognizing it's not by how good you are, but it's by the mercy of God, Pharisee versus tax collector, we do not lose heart. And then look at verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And in between there, how do you not lose heart? Two ways. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep struggling well. But we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. If our gospel is veiled, it's veiled only to those who are perishing. And so we don't go changing the concept of hell because it just doesn't sit well with some. We lovingly teach that there is a place for those who reject Jesus. And we don't want anyone to go there. And that God is patient because he doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. We don't change the gospel. In their case, why are they blinded? The God of this world has blinded their minds of, un, of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So we should pray. We're not more powerful than Satan. 
God open their eyes. You will see it on the prayer request this week. Salvation for Lawson. Lord, open his eyes to the truth of the gospel. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, the creator has also shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. He's the redeemer. But we have this treasure contrast. We have this beautiful gospel in jars of clay. It's talking about our bodies here, our sinful flesh that battle we battle against to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And then he goes into this classic several verses. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to that which has been written, I believed and so I spoke, so we believe and we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise, will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that the grace extends to more and more people. It may increase in thanksgiving and to glory of God, so we don't lose heart. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep struggling well. Will persecutions come? Yeah, don't be forsaken. Will we be struck down? Yes, but we won't be destroyed. Will we be afflicted in every way? Yes. There are afflictions everywhere from an ingrown fingernail to a broken foot to to those who go to the doctor and find out they're sick, to those who pass away, we are afflicted in every way. Psalm 34 says this. It's a great psalm for those who are in affliction. It gives them hope. Psalm 34, 19 34, 9. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Pastor, just a couple weeks ago, down, who pastors down here in Eagle, was riding his mountain bike and he broke his shoulder or you break your elbow. Many are the afflictions, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. We're crushed. We're afflicted, but not crushed. We're perplexed. Why is the Lord delaying here? We sing this song. Oh my God, he will not. But why is he delaying? But we're not driven to despair, discouraged. Persecuted, if we're out sharing this gospel, we will be persecuted. Physically, emotionally, intellectually. But we're not forsaken. We pray and we just keep praying. And we persevere. And here's the beauty of it. Two, uh, two illustrations and I'll end. <laughs> Got to go to a wedding on Friday night. And the lady that was keeping our kids just in passing said this. But, and she didn't know I was talking on this. But it fits perfectly. She said, I've been praying for him for years. Never gave up. <laughs> 
And the beautiful thing about this is then when we get to the wedding, the pastor who presided said the same thing. Praying for you, never gave up. She said, oh, I've just been praying for him for years. It's just such a joy. And you're just like, I'm talking on that. And so she got to see it fulfilled. Praying for years and never giving up. And then I was listening to conversations in my house just yesterday. And this is what it sounded like. And it sounds like this when I'm alone with the kids. Mommy! Mommy, I need this. Mommy, 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 mommy. Mom, what do you think of them? Mother, could you come here? At the same time. And then it's daddy, daddy, tugging on, and daddy, daddy, can we, can we do it? Not just a daddy daughter date, but can we do a daddy daughter date date? And just daddy, can we go golf and fish? And daddy, can we hold me at the same time? I'm like, that's it. Because Ashley and I can get kind of like, that's enough, right? You do love these kids, but like, sometimes you're like, oh, just you sit here, you sit there. Okay, what is it? No, okay, right? A little fun. What is it? And you? Okay. But not our God in heaven. Right? Because we can even grow weary as parents but not God. Because we can all be talking to him at the same time. Like if I were to actually have us for the next two minutes, sit with your spouse or your family and pray. Yes, we're going to do that. He actually hears it and he's not bothered and he's not confused. Oh, what did the Morrises say? Okay, I'm trying to get the Dubais right on. He hears. Pray and persevere. And so just as a practical example, turn to whoever you're sitting with for two minutes and just ask him what's on your heart. Because there are things, I'm sure if we went around this room, it would bring tears to our eyes. What's on our heart? Pray about it right now. about 30 seconds to wrap it up.
Father, I thank you that unlike me as a weak father who sometimes is uh, wearied or bothered by all the chatter, though I love it so, I thank you that you're never wearied, never bothered. You hear every single prayer of the righteous who call upon you, and you've heard these, even here, these brief, extemporaneous, spontaneous prayers for wisdom, safety. Father, we come to you now and we just pray that we would be a people of prayer. I pray that we would have an overflowing amount of people to come Sundays and pray. I pray that we would not tell people we'll pray for them later if we have a tendency to forget, but that we would be bold enough and unashamed to say, can we pray about that right now? I pray that we would use tweets and Facebook and text messaging and emails and phone calls just to talk to you in the presence of others. I pray that we would talk with our God and that we would walk with our God even though you give us winding roads. I think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that we trust in you with all our heart and we lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways we acknowledge you and you'll, you'll make those paths straight. Let us be persistent widows who continually come to you, who is always just, never bothered, and when it's exactly the right timing, you'll answer those prayers. Pray these things for the glory of your name, that it would be worldwide, it would be famous. And for our good and the good of our families and the good of our neighbors, our coworkers, this church, this community, and the world. And I pray this boldly and with confidence because I know because of Jesus, it's in his name that I can approach you. And thus, it is in his name I pray. Amen.